Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's poem is Longfellow's The Belfry of Bruges. The Belfry of Bruges is a beautiful poem on the imagination. It presents Longfellow, the poet, lost in reverie as he looks out at the Flemish countryside from atop the famous bell tower of the medieval city of Bruges. In the Middle Ages, Bruges was the most splendid city in Europe, a center of commerce and art and sumptuous courtly life. The bourse, from which future stock exchanges in Europe took their name, was operating at the same time that knights were jousting in full armor while stately dames looked on. The market square, with the belfry tower rising above it, was a center of trade for all of Europe and much of the world. But in the 1500s, the channel which was the key to its prosperity silted in, and trade shifted to Antwerp while the court moved to Brussels, stopping development in Bruges and freezing its buildings in time. In The Belfry of Bruges, Longfellow imagines the days of Bruges gone by, with its courts and heroes and romantic stories, perhaps none more famous than that of the beautiful Mary of Burgundy, who became Duchess at the age of twenty upon the death of her father, Charles the Bold, and her marriage to Maximilian, the handsome Archduke of Austria. Because of the diplomatic turmoil of the times, the marriage was first conducted by proxy, with another duke standing in for Maximilian, even so far as sleeping with Mary to complete the transaction, with armed guards present to protect her virtue. Mary was loved by the people of Bruges, but following her early death in a hunting accident, when her horse first tripped, then rolled over her after she fell, they rose up against Maximilian, only ending their rebellion when he agreed to kneel in the market square and pledged not to retaliate against them. Let's listen. The Belfry of Bruges by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow In the marketplace of Bruges stands the belfry old and brown. Thrice consumed and thrice rebuilded, still it watches o'er the town. As the summer morn was breaking, on the lofty tower I stood, and the world threw off the darkness like the weeds of widowhood. Thick with towns and hamlets studded, and with streams and vapors gray, like a shield embossed with silver, round and vast the landscape lay. At my feet the city slumbered, from its chimneys here and there, Wreaths of snow-white smoke ascending, vanished, ghost-like, into air. Not a sound rose from the city at that early morning hour, but I heard a heart of iron beating in the ancient tower. From their nests beneath the rafters sang the swallows wild and high, and the world beneath me sleeping seemed more distant than the sky. Then, most musical and solemn, bringing back the olden times with their strange unearthly changes, rang the melancholy chimes, like the psalms of some old cloister when the nuns sing in the choir, and the great bell tolled among them 
like the chanting of a friar. Visions of the days departed, shadowy phantoms filled my brain. They who live in history only seem to walk the earth again. All the foresters of Flanders, mighty Baldwin Broad Affair, Litterec Dubuc and Cressy, Philip Guy de Dampierre. I beheld the pageant splendid that adorned those days of old. Stately dames like queens attended, knights who bore the fleece of gold. Lombard and Venetian merchants with deep-laden argosies, ministers from twenty nations, more than royal pomp and ease. I beheld proud Maximilian kneeling humbly on the ground. I beheld gentle Mary hunting with her hawk and hound, and her lighted bridal chamber where a duke slept with the queen, and the armed guard around them, and the sword unsheathed between. I beheld the Flemish weavers with Namor and Juliers bold, marching homeward from the bloody battle of the spurs of gold. Saw the fight at Minnewater, saw the white hoods moving west, saw great Artevelde victorious scale the golden dragon's nest. And again the whiskered Spaniard all the land with terror smote, and again the wild alarum sounded from the toxin's throat till the bell of Ghent responded o'er lagoon and dike of sand. I am Roland, I am Roland, there is victory in the land. Then the sound of drums aroused me. The awakened city's roar chased the phantoms I had summoned back into their graves once more. Hours had passed like minutes, and before I was aware, Lo, the shadow of the belfry crossed the sun-illumined square. The imagination is free to wander, particularly when it has a storehouse of stories to draw from, as Longfellow's did. Longfellow's musings in the belfry of Bruges reach back earlier than the days of Mary and Maximilian and extend forward after them. He recalls the first foresters, or governors of Flanders appointed by the French king, beginning with Baldwin Broad Affair, Baldwin Ironarm, who, the historian tells us, stole away fair Judith, daughter of Charles the Bald, from the French court. He recalls the Battle of the Golden Spurs, when the young nobles of France, each wearing a golden spur, led an army against Flanders in the 14th century. Though badly overmatched, the Flemish defenders repulsed the French, inflicting heavy casualties. Seven hundred golden spurs were hung in triumph from the ceiling of the Church of Our Lady in nearby Courtrai. Longfellow recalls the fight at Minnewater between the cities of Bruges and Ghent over the construction of a trade canal. He recalls the belfry named the Nest of the Golden Dragon, brought back by crusaders from the Church of St. Sophia in Constantinople and placed atop the tower at Bruges before being moved to the Belfry of Ghent, where it remains today. Forward in time, Longfellow recalls the war for Dutch independence fought with Spain. Longfellow is awakened from these reveries by the bustle of the town below. It is no longer early morning, 
The shadow of the belfry has moved with the rising sun across the market square. Let's listen again. The Belfry of Bruges by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow In the marketplace of Bruges stands the belfry old and brown, thrice consumed and thrice rebuilded, still it watches o'er the town. As the summer morn was breaking, on the lofty tower I stood, and the world threw off the darkness like the weeds of widowhood. Thick with towns and hamlets studded, and with streams and vapors gray, like a shield embossed with silver, round and vast the landscape lay. At my feet the city slumbered, from its chimneys here and there, wreaths of snow-white smoke ascending, vanished ghost-like into air. Not a sound rose from the city at that early morning hour, but I heard a heart of iron beating in the ancient tower. From their nests beneath the rafters sang the swallows wild and high, and the world beneath me sleeping seemed more distant than the sky. Then, most musical and solemn, bringing back the olden times, with their strange unearthly changes rang the melancholy chimes, like the psalm of some old cloister when the nuns sing in the choir, and the great bell tolled among them like the chanting of a friar. Visions of the days departed, shadowy phantoms filled my brain. They who live in history only seem to walk the earth again. All the foresters of Flanders, mighty Baldwin Broad Affair, literate Dubuc and Cressy, Philip, Guy de Dampierre. I beheld the pageant splendid that adorned those days of old. Stately dames like queens attended, knights who bore the fleece of gold. Lombard and Venetian merchants with deep-laden argosies, ministers from twenty nations, more than royal pomp and ease. I beheld proud Maximilian kneeling humbly on the ground. I beheld gentle Mary hunting with her hawk and hound, and her lighted bridal chamber where a duke slept with the queen and the armed guard around them and the sword unsheathed between. I beheld the Flemish weavers with Namor and Juliers bold, marching homeward from the bloody battle of the spurs of gold. Saw the fight at Miniwater, saw the white hoods moving west, saw great Artevelde victorious scale the golden dragon's nest. And again the whiskered Spaniard all the land with terror smote, and again the wild alarum sounded from the toxin's throat till the bell of Ghent responded o'er lagoon and dike of sand. I am Roland, I am Roland, there is victory in the land. Then the sound of drums aroused me. The awakened city's roar chased the phantoms I had summoned back into their graves once more. Hours had passed like minutes, and before I was aware, lo, the shadow of the belfry crossed, the sun-illumined square. With the pictures Longfellow gives us, 
pictures made of words, our imaginations too can wander to earlier times of romance and courage. History, of course, teaches us that not all or even much was romance and courage, not in medieval times nor at any time since. Still, it's good to go to such places in our imagination, not just to escape our own all-too-unromantic times, though such respite is important, but to have an ideal by which to judge the world as it actually is. I hope you enjoyed The Belfry of Bruges, and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the Fireside.